Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady, here with my co-host, JC. Hey, JC. Hi. Aloha. Welcome aloha. to Friday. You, uh, yeah, I love when you say aloha, like you're you're not in upstate New York, right? But hey, you know, <laughs> hey, I I'm, guess it could be aloha anywhere. I, I can't lie. It is a sweltering 83 degrees up here today. It definitely feels like Hawaii. I tell you, it is so warm. <laughs> Hawaii has a nice breeze, though. <laughs> true, true. I was there last summer, so... Oh, we have a, our great uh, co- our guest here today, David Miklas. How you doing, David? Good, Wendy and JC. Good to be back. Hey, David, I have a quick question for you regarding your business. Um, I know you're in the state of Florida. Do you ever work with businesses outside of the state of Florida? No, I don't. I'm only uh, licensed to practice law in Florida. I, I regularly speak even at national conferences where I'm talking about federal law. Um, so to the extent that someone may have operations in another state, I can give them advice on federal law. But no, my practice is exclusive uh, to Florida employers. Yeah. And the one good thing about, um, well, I, I don't know if I want to say good or bad, but because I'm in the state of Florida, too, is most of our laws are federal laws. Right. I mean, there's not a heck of a lot in Florida that it goes above and beyond. But for those of you that are listening and say maybe you have one or two employees in Florida, but you have employees in multiple other states, you need to be stalking other lawyers online. (laughs) You need to be following their blog, their podcast, their LinkedIn to make sure that you understand the laws related to your state, because there's federal, there's state. Then there could also be in some cases and in some industries, county all the way down to zip code, you know, uh, zip code specific laws so this this hr stuff just keeps getting more and more complicated that's for sure uh it, it's certainly keeping me on my toes especially since the pandemic all the, the laws that have changed what i want to chat about briefly here is a hot topic um not just in the state of florida but all over the country all over the world really which is you know diversity equity and inclusion so what i want to ask you is uh david you know What's the federal aspect of, of this? Is there is there any laws be, out, above and beyond like discrimination and harassment laws about DEI? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. To, to some extent, there, there could be affirmative action plans. That usually is, is something that is imposed upon an employer when they have a history of violating the law. Um, like it happened in the in the 60s uh, where schools refused to segregate, you know, have desegregation and and they were forced to do that. Um, absent something like that, it's it's generally just done as as a, a desire. Maybe a business wants to improve its uh, DEI efforts um, because they realize they don't have any black people working for them or women or whatever the, the category is. And where I see it as a problem is, and this has always been a problem, it's not, not anything new, but, but it's getting more attention, is if under the guise of a, a DEI program, the employer says, you know what, we're going to make a concerted effort to hire millennials, or we want to hire a lot more women or black people or whatever the category is, and then they concentrate on that and only hire that category that is discrimination. Um, it, you can't use trying to to bring your twenty percent women up to fifty percent as a basis 
to illegally discriminate against whoever it is that you're not hiring. Um, so, so that is a, a dangerous area. And, and well, I'll let you uh, jump in a little bit. Yeah, sure. I think JC has some statistics to share with us of why DEI is important. Yeah. When assessing employment offers, 76% of employees and job seekers thought diversity was important. 60% of employees want to hear CEOs speak out on diversity issues. 80% of poll respondents stated that they want to work for a company that prioritizes diversity and inclusion concerns. What I can tell you from my aspect as an HR consultant and helping companies, you know, focus on DEI. Now, first of all, I want to say I am not a DEI expert. I know enough to say I need to get one involved. Um, the D and the I part is a lot easier than the E part. So the diversity and inclusion, you know, that's, you know, diversity is just getting people together that are different. Um, I always tell my clients, um, you know, there's a couple things you can focus on, but let's not, let, not, let's not always focus on diversity as different race, different gender, different age. But let's just say people are different. How about we start hiring from different areas, from different states, from different um, background experiences and bring diverse thought into our organization? So that's the first thing you could do there without being an expert and then without spending a ton of money. You can become, you know, um, diverse. You can become inclusive. So a few things. You can hire people that are different, whether that's skin color, height, age, degrees. But if you don't include them in conversations and decisions, then you're never going to be inclusive. They're just going to be there for show. And we know the, the companies that do that and the employees know when their companies are just doing it for show, usually for sales or marketing um, and for advertising. So there's diversity, there's inclusion, and then there's equity. And equity, you know, refers to fair treatment of all the people there, regardless of what they look like. And it is very difficult because to be truly equitable, you got to start at birth. And we're not in that age, you know, we're not there yet with employers going, okay, I'm going to backstep 21 years to this when this person was born and all the, the um, inequities that they had. So it is, um, un- I don't, I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate. It's part of an employer's responsibility to start equity, but I really think it should be a society's responsibility. And we'll kind of, <laughs> you got to stop that conversation right there. Cause that is a whole other heated podcast <laughs> that we probably don't have time to get into with a few minutes of remaining here. JC, you have anything else to add to this? I've got a couple things for you. You know, the uh, EEOC did issue guidance in May of 2023 for the use of artificial intelligence and employment selection. And the guidance did indicate that employers are generally liable for the outcomes of using selection tools to make employment decisions. So as we talk about DEI and we talk about uh, the equity portion and the inclusion portion, just pretty much everything there, the EEOC's position is that an improper application of AI could potentially violate that title, what's that, VII, right? What's that, five? Yeah, title seven. seven. Title seven, that's what it is. Uh, But I always (laughs) say VII. Sharp on the tip of my tongue. But it brings up a curious consideration, and I I bring this up with intent as we're talking about DEI, the inclusion of AI in the workplace, the EEOC's rulings. That's a lot on the shoulders of the employer. So uh, barring not having that handbook or yet to develop it or in need of rewriting it, when we think about inclusion of AI and, and adaptive technologies in this quickly evolving workplace, David, I have to ask you, any thoughts or considerations when it comes to DEI, inclusion, equal fair opportunity, EEOC considerations, and onboarding 
in the realm of artificial intelligence. A little bit of a curveball. Yeah. yeah, no, no, that's that's fine. And that, that's actually a, a really hot topic now. That's something that uh, Keith Sunderling has been spearheading at the EEOC for a few years now. And um, it's very clear that it's on the EEOC's radar. They came after one employer already. They're looking to, to, to sue employers that screw this up. And basically, any HR person that goes to conferences knows that in one room are, is a whole bunch of vendors. And some of those vendors might sell you HRIS systems or something like that. And you need to be careful because if you are using someone, some vendor that uses some kind of software program to help you, such as sifting through a thousand resumes or to post job ads or whatever, if they use that software and if it's coded in such a manner to exclude certain applicants, that can get you sued. doesn't matter that it's not you doing it, that, that you can't blame the, the vendor that, that sold you that software to do it. If it's coded and all of a sudden, you know, all the black people don't apply because they got sifted out or, or anyone over 50 never made it into your applicant pool, that's going to violate Title VII. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I've been doing a lot of chat GPT training and I've been bringing that up a lot. I was like, hey, it's a tool, just like, you know, when we first got Google or whatever it might have been back then. It's a tool, but you have to understand that there are laws, um, you know, built in certain ways. And it's your job to not just take a vendor's word for it, to say, yeah, 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 we're safe. It is still the employer that will get sued and lose if the tools that you're using meant to help you are actually unintentionally discriminating, um, even if your intent was to bring in more diversity and you kind of, I don't really like the, this word, but reverse discriminated accidentally. So please be careful, everyone. It is incredibly important for you to have an employment attorney on your side. There oh, are yeah. many of them available um, throughout the United States. You can follow them on their blogs, on LinkedIn, like we do with David Miklis. Uh, David, this has been incredibly helpful. Do you have any final words before we wrap up? No, I appreciate this. And and listen, it's not like uh, lawyers always do everything and, and charge you a ton of money for it. Um, I try and put a lot of free information out there. And to the extent that a, a client of mine may not be able to pay a bill or whatever, I always refer them back over to their HR consultants because, frankly, they charge usually a third of what I'm charging. And they can do a lot of the same things. They can't do everything. They can't give legal advice. But a lot of the FMLA applications and all that kind of stuff, there's no reason to pay your lawyer to, to help you deal with FMLA if an HR consultant is highly competent and can do that. Right. Absolutely. Thanks, David. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed our five-part series on proactive steps with employment law. Thanks for joining us and take care. Thank you. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.